When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. And man, do we have a great one for you today. Ace of the staff, Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves joins us. He's been plagued by some injuries over the last couple of years, but this guy is an absolute stud of a pitcher, was the ace of the Braves staff before he went down. And he's going to join us here today. What a great guy. I'm excited to get to that. And we'll get to that in a little while. But of course, some spring training storylines, all of that good stuff. And we're going to continue on with the list after Soroka joins us in a little while. We've been going through it during spring training. Top five pitchers, top 10 pitchers of this coming season, top catchers, top corner infielders. Today, we're getting to the top five shortstops and top five second basemen. So we'll get to that in a little while. But right off the bat, let's talk about some of the spring training storylines we got going on. A couple come to mind for me. One, my brother, Justin Verlander, is back on the mound. He pitched the other day uh, for the first time in 602 days. And, you know, it it was just a spring training game, but, man, it was still so weird for me to watch. I, I got weirdly, like, nervous. Um, I was texting my sister-in-law about it and we were like freaking out and we're like, this is a spring training game. What are we doing? But it was so cool to see him back out on the mound for the first time in 602 days. And let me tell you, he wasn't just back out there. He was throwing gas up to 97. Pitching Ninja posted a video of him throwing 96, a good slider, two innings, two strikeouts, no runs. He's back. He's back. Justin Verlander's day is done after two innings, says this tweet. He looked great for his first outing since 2020. He hit up to 95.9 miles an hour. He threw 31 pitches, 18 strikes, 2Ks, one walk. His velo's there. Um, I'm really excited. And, And it got me to thinking. My emotions were already there in a spring training game. As I referenced in in this tweet that I posted, I can't put into words how happy it made me today watching him out on a mound again. I will be at Justin's first regular season start this year in Anaheim, and I will probably shed a few tears. Hashtag proud brother. But I'm serious. It it was crazy seeing him back out there. It's all I've known in my entire life is my brother pitching. From the day I was born, he was nine years old. I was basically born at a baseball field watching my brother pitch. And my entire life, it's all I've known. And now I get to see him back out there, and I can't wait for that to happen. Um, but an, another storyline from this spring training so far, and, and going from my brother to my best friend, Shohei Otani. 
Shohei was back out on the mound, and man, did he look good. I cannot wait for this season of Shohei. Unanimous AL MVP. We all know him. We all know he rakes. But it was so good to see him back out on the mound the other day. He looked healthy. He was throwing hard. He was punching out guys. He threw two and a third innings with five Ks. Gave up one run. But the important thing, the most important of all, is he was throwing hard and he looked healthy. I'm excited to see him out on the mound this year. I think he could hit. I think he could hit even better than last year because he was getting walked all year at the end of the year. But I think pitching-wise, um, he's going to be nasty this year. He's going to be absolutely filthy. It is just, it's just good to see him back. And I tweeted about it as I do every, everything Shohei-related. And it was so cool to see the response. My tweet was, baseball is being played. Shohei Otani's back on the bump. Fans are in the stands. Life is good. And to see the responses to that, some people, a lot of people were just saying, all is right in the world. Ben is back to tweeting about Shohei. And that could not feel more like the truth. Uh, another storyline, I got to talk about the Tigers. I have to talk about these young guys in the Detroit Tigers organization. Uh, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson. I mean, the list could go on, but these two guys, I think these two guys, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson could compete for the AL Rookie of the Year award. Neck and neck. I think it could come down to both of them. I I originally, last year, was unsure if they'd break camp with the team. But if you guys remember, those of you that have been listening for a little while, we had A.J. Hench on um, in October of last year. And I asked him about these guys, the young core of this team, these young studs. And basically, he said, yeah, they're going to have their chance to, to break camp. They're going to have every chance in the world. And now here they are in spring training, getting their chance and doing really well. Riley Green the other day hit an absolute moonshot home run to left field. And, and I'm not just like, this was, this was a big boy home run. Like this, when you're hitting towering shots like that to the opposite field, that's impressive. That's big boy territory. I've only done that once in my career, and it was actually against my brother. I went deep to right center field. Talking to you, Justin. Deep to right center field. But Riley Green did that the other day. Deep to left center field. Spencer Torkelson came up uh, facing, uh, facing the guy throwing 98 miles an hour on the mound. Rifles, a, rifles an 0-2. 98-mile-an-hour fastball down the right field line. Akil Badu is raking. Like, I'm watching this Tigers team in spring training, and I just can't help but feel excited for them. I have a lot of friends in that organization still. I played there for five years. I want to see them do well. It hasn't been good for years, but it's close. The future is close. You can feel it. You can feel it coming. I tweeted the other day about Spencer Torkelson. This Spencer Torkelson laser double. This is so fun with a with a SpongeBob gift saying the future. But look, that's going to do it for the the storylines in spring training. Um, but we're going to get into rounding the bases now, as we always do. I just wanted to do a fun little segment beforehand because there's still so much to talk about. I guess you can consider it somewhat of a an on deck segment, if you will. Which I wanted to say because my producer wanted me to say that. And, and he's going to be happy that I did now say it. So now we're going to get in to rounding the bases. And first up, let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
The Los Angeles Dodgers have signed Freddie Freeman. As we know, one of the biggest acquisitions of the, of the offseason, post-lockout, certainly one of the biggest. Freddie Freeman, the Atlanta Braves legend, is on the move and heading to Los Angeles. So, what does this mean for the Dodgers? Well, in my opinion, the Los Angeles Dodgers have the best lineup in baseball. Perhaps one of the greatest lineups, perhaps the greatest lineup that we have ever seen. I have no problem saying that. And I think Freddie Freeman, putting him right in the middle of that lineup, makes this team just unbelievably deep. But I want to talk about a, a little bit more than just that, because it seems like that, that deal is made. Freddie Freeman goes to the Dodgers, and it's like chalked up. Oh, my God, the Dodgers are the greatest team of all time. They're going to win the championship. Let me stop you for a second. And let me say again, I do think this lineup is the best lineup in baseball. I'm not so sure this team is better than they were at the beginning of last year. Not so sure they're better than they were in, in the playoffs last year. I know Max Muncy was hurt last year, and that was a big blow to them. But let's take a look at this because we think, okay, Freddie Freeman's a Dodger. This, is, this team is, you know, there's nobody even close. Okay, Corey Seager, who just got over $300 million and was one of the best shortstops on the market, is now gone from the Dodgers. Corey Seager, gone. Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, future Hall of Famer. Gone. Kenley Jansen, great closer, was really good for them last year. Lockdown guy back into the bullpen. Gone. Corey Knable, who started a couple of games in the playoffs. Gone. Joe Kelly, a good bullpen guy. Not always the most reliable in the back end of that bullpen, but a guy that has fantastic stuff. Some of the best stuff that a reliever in baseball has. Can get you big outs. Gone. Albert Pujols, one of the best of all time. Not the best of all time anymore, but certainly a good bench bat against left-handed left pitchers. Gone. <laughs> when you start looking at it, that's a lot. So now they re-sign Kershaw. Kershaw's back. Hopefully... Hopefully it has a full, healthy season because I would love to see a full, healthy season of Clayton Kershaw, one of the best to ever do it. I'm happy he's back. But what, what am I missing here? You add Freddie Freeman, you get back Kershaw, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Alexander, bullpen, but then you lose Corey Seager, Albert Pujols, Joe Kelly, Max Scherzer, Trevor Bauer's probably not. Trevor Bauer was on the team at the beginning of last year. I, I don't know if he's going to pitch this year. I don't know. This team is great. Do not get me wrong. This Los Angeles Dodgers team is fantastic. And this starting lineup is going to be incredible. Look at this. Look at this predicted, predictive lineup for this year. Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Mookie Betts, Pollock, Bellinger, Chris Taylor. I mean, what? It's it is it's it's comical. Max Muncy, 
we put a we put today's spring training lineup up there because we know not everybody starts in spring training, but this even this line this spring training lineup is great, and Mookie and and Max Muncie aren't even in it. This lineup is ridiculous and could be a historically great lineup. But they're they're missing some pieces this year. They're gonna they're gonna be hurting a little bit from where they were last year with their pitching staff. Um, so I'm not gonna say I'm worried about the Dodgers. I still think the Dodgers will win the NL West. But let's let's not chalk it up to the Dodgers are gonna be World Series champions. Nobody else is even close because I'm not so sure that that's the case. They have lost some gigantic pieces, and they did a good job piecing it back together with Freddie Freeman and some of the other acquisitions that they got as well. But the Dodgers will be great this year. Let's head on over to second base and talk about, first up, the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees and their disappointing offseason, to be quite honest. The New York Yankees that I grew up watching, that I grew up knowing, signed everybody. Anybody that they wanted to, they would sign because they just had more money. They were the New York Yankees. They had more championships than everybody. Not sure if you've heard, but they have 27 rings. I'm not sure if you've ever heard a Yankees fan say that, but they do. They have, they have 27 rings. They're the evil empire. They signed anybody and everybody they wanted to. Let's go over some names this offseason that they wanted to sign. They wanted to sign Freddie Freeman. They wanted to sign Carlos Correa. They wanted to sign Justin Verlander. They wanted to sign Trevor Story. And they got none of them. None of the biggest names on the market did they get. Not a single one. So you look at what they did this offseason. They made a trade. They, they got rid of Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. They bring in Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. So that's just kind of a weird move there. They re-sign after, after all the first baseman stuff is going down and everybody's like, they're in on Freddie. Okay, Freddie doesn't want to go there. We're going to re-sign. We're going to sign Anthony Rizzo. And then they miss out on Correa. And then they miss out on Story. This is the New York Yankees we're talking about. And by all accounts, they even made an effort to get Freddie Freeman. But he said, I don't want to play there. I don't want to play for the Yankees. I don't, I don't know, man. Let's not get carried away. This Yankees team is good. This is something that Yankees fans love to do. I love being on social media and on Twitter watching Yankees fans freak out. This team is still really good. It still has Aaron Judge, who's an icon in New York. It still has Glaber, Glaber Torres, who's going to be a stud at, at shortstop. Giancarlo Stanton, Garrett Cole. This team is full of superstars. And they have one of the top three best odds to win the World Series. I believe uh, they have the third best odds, to, third or fourth best odds to win the World Series. But they're the New York Yankees. And they always get what they want. And they didn't this offseason. So I, I don't, in, in the minds of many, this wasn't a successful offseason. They wanted that piece that took them from really good to really, really great. And they didn't get it, but they still will be a good team. They still will compete 
for that AL East title. But they just didn't get what they wanted. This tweet um, from Matt says, it's incredible that the Yankees had needs at shortstop and first base and just won't sign top free agents anymore. No Harper, no Machado, no Real Muto, no Correa, no Freeman, list goes on. Hal hasn't signed, as in Hal Steinbrenner, hasn't signed an elite position player in nearly a decade. Eight years now, and they've basically only signed Cole. Now, that's in terms of, like, the big, gigantic names on the market. Garrett Cole, obviously, being one of those that they did get. But the other names, they're just not signing those mega superstars. Remember when it was talked about with Bryce Harper, are the Yankees going to pay him half a billion dollars and get him? Nope. He's with the Phillies. They're just not making that big, gigantic move. But again, the Yankees will be good. The Yankees will be fine. They'll be a really good team this year with the core of Stanton, Judge, and Garrett Cole. I mean, you're just fine. But I also want to talk about the Houston Astros here. The Houston Astros didn't sign a shortstop. That was, that was a big key thing for them this offseason. A shortstop, a, a hole in the lineup, if you will, a hole on the field. Now, they have options. They have some young prospects coming up that I think can be good there, but they're no Carlos Correa. So, I th- in my opinion, Carlos Correa was gone from the Astros after the season. He was gone. He was going to go somewhere and get 10 years, $300 million or close to it, and be off and running and getting paid. But then the lockout comes. The lockout lasted 99 days and really shortened spring training and shortened preparation time and shortened Carlos Correa's time to sign somewhere and to get the deal he wanted. So I think when that lockout happened, it created a situation where Correa came back into play for the Astros. When it seemed far-fetched, it almost felt like, okay, he's fallen right back into their lap. This is perfect. But talks continue. They end up not signing him. And Carlos Correa is now a Minnesota twin and has signed a contract to make him the highest-paid infielder in MLB history this season. Now, I want to... First, also talk about that Trevor Story became a talking point for the Astros once they didn't sign Correa, and he didn't sign there either. So the Astros miss out on their shortstop. The Houston Astros don't get Correa, don't get Story, the two prized shortstop uh, position players after Corey Seager signed earlier. Those were the two guys left. They didn't get either one of them. So Carlos Correa is now a Minnesota twin. And this confused a lot of people. A lot of people were confused here. And I want to talk about why the Astros probably didn't sign him here. One, he's being paid more than anybody else in history, okay? So then you look at it, and you really take a deep dive into this deal. He has an opt-out after his first two seasons. I think this makes sense for all parties. Carlos Correa could have a great year make his money, do really well for the Minnesota Twins, sell jerseys, get fans in the seats, give them a chance to win more games, and then opt out after this season and go sign his 8, 9, 10-year deal 
somewhere else. That could happen. The danger of him signing a shorter-term deal was, well, I could have a bad year, I could get injured. So this, this short deal also gives him that um, stability as well. It could be three years, he could stay and make that money, but he also could opt out after one. I'm happy for Carlos Correa. Um, the Houston Astros are not as good without him. They will not be. That is a big loss. But Carlos Correa deserved to get paid. He deserves his money, and he's getting it with the Minnesota Twins. And the Minnesota Twins got themselves a good one. They got one of the best shortstops in baseball, which we'll get to that list in a little while of the top shortstops. They got one of the most clutch playoff players in, in Major League Baseball playoff history, and they got a stud fielder as well. So congrats to the Twins for going out and swooping Carlos from, from the big guys, from all the main players, and at the last second coming in and getting a deal. Carlos Correa to the Twins, and the Astros don't get, don't get their shortstop. All right, let's head on over to third base and talk about free agency. Free agency update. We did this last week. Uh, last week's episode went through all the, the, all the major signings and just kind of update you guys uh, in case you're not as locked in on every single tweet or every single move. Just a little update on where people are. So first up, Freddie Freeman, the Los Angeles Dodgers. As you heard me talk about earlier, we went in depth on that one. Freddie Freeman is on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Next up, we got Carlos Correa, who we also just talked about. Minnesota Twins. Man, this one still shocks me. Carlos Correa is going to be the shortstop of the Minnesota Twins. I can't. I, let me tell you where I was when I heard about this. Now, we're out on the, the West Coast. We're in Los Angeles. We're recording this in our studio in, in Los Angeles. And this move was made at night, pretty late. But luckily on the West Coast, I was still up. And I looked at my phone. I saw it. I have tweet notifications on for the people that it needs to be on for. And it said Carlos Correa is going to the Twins. And I legitimately was like, this, this, this is a fake account. Jeff Passan was hacked again by an by a ETF, by a, by a company. I, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. But it happened. It wasn't the Yankees, it wasn't the Astros, it wasn't the Cubs, it wasn't the Dodgers, it was the Minnesota Twins. And I literally, my jaw just dropped. The biggest piece of this offseason, signing with the Minnesota Twins. Man, good for the Twins. They're going to rake, by the way. They're going to absolutely rake. They're going to give up so many runs, but they're also going to score so many runs. And they're not going to win a World Series. They're probably not going to win the division. But they're going to be fun to watch. And Carlos is a big part of that. Man, Correa to the Twins. Next up, Trevor Story. Trevor Story signs with the Boston Red Sox. So you might be saying, wait, they already have their shortstop. Xander Bogarts. Yep, they signed Trevor Story. He's probably going to play second base. But Trevor Story? Boston Red Sox, big pickup. This was a guy that I thought once Correa moved on from the Astros, Story was going to end up there. But nope, Red Sox get their guy. They get a stud, stud defensively. An absolute stud with the leather. And a good offensive guy as well. I mean, I'm interested to see how he hits away from Coors. I think we put a little bit too much weight into that. 
everyone says, well, he was really good at Coors Field, but he's not as good away. Yeah, a lot of people hit better at home than they do on the road. They were saying that about Nolan Arenado, and then he went to St. Louis and, and had a good year himself. So Trevor Story to the Red Sox. Next up, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant goes to Trevor Story's former team, the Colorado Rockies. This one threw a lot of people by surprise. And I, I want to talk about this for a second because people say, what are, what are the Rockies doing? Why are they doing this? Why would Chris Bryant go there? All right, well, well let's hold up for a second. We can't, be, we can't want Chris Bryant to always go to, to one of the best teams. We, can't, we hear Freddie Freeman goes to the Dodgers and we're like, oh, it's a super team. Oh, my God, why, why are players doing this? And then Chris Bryant signs with the Rockies and say, why would he do that? That's so dumb. It makes no sense. We can't, have, we can't have both. I want more parity in the league. I want really good players to sign. I, I want teams to go sign really good players no matter where they are. So people like to question what the Rockies have done in the past, and I'm certainly one of those that will and say those moves, I don't know what they were doing, get a, getting rid of Arenado and letting Story go for free and getting rid of John Gray. But let's talk about the present. This new GM has come in and signed Chris Bryant, great, versatile player, former Rookie of the Year, MVP, World Series champion, to a long-term deal. And then they lock up, they, they just yesterday signed Ryan McMahon to a long-term deal. I like what they're doing. They haven't done everything right in the past, but what they're doing right now is committing money to good players, committing to the future. I like that for the Rockies. Good for them. Good for Chris Bryant. Good for them for going to get it. So Chris Bryant to the Rockies. Next up, Jorge Soler, World Series hero for the champion Atlanta Braves. He's on the move to the Marlins. I really like this. I really like this a lot. I think, I think he's going to be um, a great fit down there. Down in Miami, they have a good Latina culture, Latino culture. Um, he's a guy from, he's from Cuba. I think he's going to be a great fit there. I think the fans are going to love him. I think the Marlins are on the right track. I like this signing a lot. Jorge Soler is now a member of the Miami Marlins. So moving on, and, and this, this is where I started thinking, what, what have the Phillies done? What are the Phillies going to do? So I tweet the other day, knowing Dave Dombrowski as I do, I know a few things. Now, I say that because Dave Dombrowski was in Detroit for many years when my brother was there as well. Knowing Dave Dombrowski as I do, I know a few things. One, he works in silence. Two, he's got something big up his sleeves. The Phillies will be making a big splash soon. I'm sure of it. Fast forward, 20, less than 24 hours later, the Philadelphia Phillies sign Kyle Schwarber. A big, massive left-handed bat that when he gets hot can be the best player on the planet. The Phillies sign him. And look, I, I like this move a lot for the Phillies. I think this is a great piece. Uh, a lot of people were talking about where Schorber going to go. The Phillies get it done. So I was right. Dombrowski made a splash. He, was, he did it in silence. I knew it was coming. They signed Kyle Schwarber, and then I, I tweet out again. I'll say it. I don't think Dave's done. 
Let me tell you the tweets I was getting when I said that. I was getting a lot of Phillies fans saying, Ben, your legacy is on the line. Your career is on the line. I'm glad my bosses didn't know that. But turns out, I was right. Again, less than 24 hours later, the Philadelphia Phillies signed Nick Castellanos, friend of the pod. Great episode. Go back and listen to it. Uh, what, a, what a guy he is. Go listen to that episode. Trust me. The Phillies signed Nick Castellanos and just totally revamped their offense. What an offense this team is going to have. You add Schwerber and Castellanos into a lineup with Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, friend of the pod, Gene Segura, Alec Bohm, who has the talent to be there, Bryson Stott, uh, JT Real Muto. This team is the real deal offensively. They're not going to play much defense, but they're going to absolutely rake. Castellanos goes to the Phillies, which isn't a surprise at all, by the way. When I was talking to him on a previous episode, we talked about that move from Detroit to Chicago and then the Reds, and now he's here in Philly. He talked a lot about how how important it is to play in a hitter-friendly ballpark and how much it matters. This certainly is one of those, probably played a factor into why he's there, and now Castellanos and Schwarber are members of the Philadelphia Phillies. Next up, Kenley Jansen, the Dodgers closer for many years now, coming off a good year with them, gone from the Dodgers, signs with the Atlanta Braves. I like this. I like this move. The Braves, uh, the Braves offense is going to be good. Their starting pitching is going to be good. They definitely had a little hole uh, with their bullpen. Definitely. Kenley Jansen helps that out for sure. Next up, Seiya Suzuki. The Chicago Cubs. Now, a lot of you may not know this guy. Seiya Suzuki coming over from Japan. Um, he's a pretty highly touted prospect from over there. Um, he... I don't, I'm not going to compare to Shohei, but uh, a lot of people say offensively he's an absolute stud. So I, I think it's unfair for Japanese players to come over. They're all going to be compared to Shohei Otani now. Let's not do that. Shohei just was the unanimous AL MVP and has done stuff that has never been done before. Seiya Suzuki comes over and signs a big deal with the Chicago Cubs. I like what the Cubs have done this offseason as well. I really do. I like what the Cubs have done. They signed Suzuki, and uh, they're making a commitment to the future. I don't think they'll be great this year, but they will hopefully be in the coming years because baseball is better when the Chicago Cubs have Wrigley Field rocking. That's free agency update this week. Uh, Not a ton of guys left out there. Not a ton of guys. Conforto's still out there. Um, A few names are still out there on the market, so I'm assuming by next week, those, those guys will be signed somewhere, and we can update you on those last few. But big, big group of guys, big group of guys this week, and some big names on the move. But let's round third and head on over to home. Talk about the Atlanta Braves. The team of today's guest, Mike Soroka. God, I'm excited. That's coming soon. Um, I want to talk about the Braves. The Atlanta Braves lose Freddie Freeman. Uh, their franchise guy, a legend 
And I, I don't say that term lightly here. He is. He is an Atlanta Braves legend. But they add Matt Olson. They add Kenley Jansen. So let's talk about this for a second. Are the Atlanta Braves better in 2022 than they were last year? They were World Series champions. I say yes. I think they are. Let's go over it. You lose Freddie Freeman. No doubt, very difficult guy to lose. You lose Jorge Soler. You lose Jock Peterson. Jock Tober. Massive pieces to lose. But let's talk about where they've improved. You get Matt Olson. He's now your first baseman and is going to be there for years to come. They signed him to an extension immediately. They've locked down their first baseman of the future, Matt Olson, one of the, the best defensive first basemen in baseball. Hits a lot of bombs. Really good. Maybe just a tick of a step back right now from Freddie Freeman. Okay? They also add, they get back Eddie Rosario. They get back Adam Duvall. They add Kenley Jansen. Some pieces we're not talking about yet. The Atlanta Braves have one of the best players in baseball who was hurt last year when they won the World Series. Ronald Acuna is a future MVP in this league. He went down right before the All-Star break last year and didn't play the rest of the year. He'll be back. Maybe not on opening day, but he's expected back pretty quickly into the season. Mike Soroka, the best pitcher on this Braves team before he went down with his Achilles injury a couple, uh, a couple of years ago. He's expected back. I don't know when, but we're going to talk to him about that in a few minutes and get a full update on him. But hopefully at some point he'll be back. This Braves team lost some key pieces, but what they gained is a bunch of good players and that experience in the playoffs to win and to win the World Series. I can't tell you how valuable that is. Look at the Houston Astros. Look what they've been able to do in the playoffs for the last five years. They've been to five consecutive ALCSs. And it's because they just have that experience. They know how to get there and win. Obviously, they're good, but there's also a part to it of we just know how to win and the pressure's not going to get too much for us. The Atlanta Braves got over that hump. They had been a really good team for two years, but they couldn't get past the Dodgers. They couldn't get to the World Series. They couldn't win the World Series. But they did all of that. They got over that Dodger hump. They got to the World Series. They beat the Houston Astros. Now you lose some pieces, but you gain back some very valuable pieces along with that experience. Ronald Acuna is back this year. We should all be extremely pumped up to watch Ronald Acuna. He's launching homers in spring training. He is saying that he'll be ready for opening day. He's saying he wants to be back out there for opening day. Ronald Acuna tore his ACL. And he's, he's, he's going to be back early this year. How wild is that? We never would have said that years ago. 
But here we are, and he's back in spring training launching bombs. Mike Soroka will hopefully be back at some point this year. The Braves are going to be really good this year. I'm going to say they're even better, and I can't wait to watch them. And that brings me to my guest, Atlanta Braves ace Mike Soroka. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike, thank you so much for joining me, man. Of course, man. It's good to see you again. I, uh... Last time we had a chance to talk, it was uh, on the field after the World Series, so it was a quick one. Yeah, that was that was a pretty cool uh, that was a pretty cool thing to experience. You know, um, obviously we played against each other a while ago, which I want to talk about in a little bit. But to see, you know, to fast forward and get to where we were at that point, my playing career over, but doing something that I now love for Fox Sports talking about this game, and to see you there uh, on the field after a World Series victory. That was pretty cool, man. What what was that experience like for you? What was that whole um, playoff run and World Series experience like for you? I know I know you weren't playing. I know you were still rehabbing and coming back from an injury. What was ex- that experience like for you? Um, you know, it's actually quite a bit better for me uh, than the year before. Uh, the year before when I, I first got injured, uh, you know, the team went to the bubble. I, I stayed back in Atlanta. Um, you know, that was kind of, uh, that was the tough one for me to, to kind of understand what happened, deal with the feelings that you're having, because, you know, at the time, I, I think you wouldn't be human if you didn't feel slightly jealous that, you know, you weren't a part of it. You know, it's something that you work hard for all year, uh, honestly, your entire career uh, for those postseason games and um, to just be out of it. um is difficult. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you're getting to watch some of the guys that you basically grew up with, uh, go out there and, and play in the playoffs, play on the biggest stage. Um, guys that I've seen grow for, you know, six, seven years now, seeing freed in that game six, uh, was an extremely rewarding experience to be honest with you. And, um, I, I was kind of able to take an approach with it that, you know, I, I get to watch it and I get to enjoy it because at the end of the day, I could still be heard on a, on a bad team. You know, I could be hurt in a minor league or <laughs> anywhere. Point. Uh, I still, still got lucky to be able to be basically an inside fan at, on a world series team. And, and, you know, that was a lot of fun. Um, I think I also kind of got to take an approach where I got to have the emotion a little bit more removed than most guys. Yeah. Um, so I kind of was able to take an objective approach and, and, and see a little bit more, uh, and without the feeling involved. And, um, you know, I, I, I really think after the NLCS, I, I thought it was all ours. And it was, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to experience front row. Well, you say like front row experience, like the best experience, almost like a fan, but this is an important question. You, you get a ring. Oh yeah. No, of yeah. course. I mean, you're, you're, you're part of the team and, and, you know, you're still obviously on the, on the, on the 40 man and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be, um, again, mixed emotions that yeah. day when we get the rings, it's going to be something that, 
you know, obviously I'll be proud of for them, but it's going to be something for me that, you know, I'm definitely going to look back on and, and not necessarily be able to feel like I exactly earned that with them, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that's something that Ronald will probably go through as well. So um, that's just kind of making us all the more, more motivated to get back out there and do it again and, and earn one for, uh, for the team and, and help them do it again. Yeah, you know, I, I was just thinking about that when you said that. You know, it's so hard to repeat in baseball. Um, it hasn't been done since the Yankees years and years ago. Um, and I think a big reason of that is because you can be just as talented, but it's hard, I want to say, to like have that drive for 162 and then like you just experienced it. But I feel like with you guys, like you, yourself, Ronald, like that drive will be even more so there for you guys to be like, all right, this team did it. Now, now we're going to do it. And, and that has to play a factor in like how excited you guys are to get going with this year, right? Absolutely. I think, um, I think we're in a sweet spot in the clubhouse. I think we're in, in, you know, in a, in a good place to where, yeah, they came off a full season, lots of high emotions, uh, but we still have those expectations. And like you said, for, for me and Ronald to be able to kind of essentially be fresh, fresh bodies come into it with, uh, you know, some invigoration that, that we didn't have previously, I think, um, you know, that goes a long ways, but, uh, you see the moves that we're making, um, obviously Olsen's going to come, he's going to bang and, yeah. uh, adding Kenley to the bullpen too. And, um, you know, we're deep. Um, and I think that's, that's the one reason I think it's so tough to repeat in baseball is honestly primarily due to health. Uh, you're looking, you know, how many times you see a team that, at the beginning of the year on paper is there, but ends up just, it's not even close to the same team by the end of the year. And, and I think that's something that I, if we do well, I think we have a shot. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see why not, you know? Yeah. So obviously you lose Freddie, you gain Matt Olson at what point, And I was actually right next to you on the field after the world series. When I heard you talk about um, the team moving forward, and hopeful that Freddie would resign, as I think everybody on the planet was. At what point did you actually realize that there's a chance he doesn't resign here? This might actually happen. And then you find out he does move on. What was that whole? Where were you emotionally this offseason when it came to him? Yeah, I mean, I mean, being fully honest, I think most of us realized that that was a very possible very very decent possibility once you know there was no extension in spring training that year i think you know that didn't get done and we knew he was going to be a free agent and you never know i mean you always assume that yeah everybody'd like to to reconvene back in atlanta but i mean things happen um you know i think obviously through most of the lockout that was the big name that we still were kind of waiting on and uh, we would have loved to have freddie back Obviously, um, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people and a lot of Braves fans are able to look at Matt uh, in a, in a, in he's a, he's a Georgia boy. He wants to be a Brave. Yeah. Um, he's wanted to his, his whole career. Um, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's in there early working out. Uh, work ethic is there. And I, I just think, you know, he's going to be great for our team. He's going to be great for this franchise moving forward. And, um, you know, things go on. But, 
obviously we're, we're excited to see Freddie again and we play him pretty quickly. I think, <laughs> you know, three weeks into the season or a third series or something like that. Um, and that's going to be weird I, for a lot of people, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that, that can't imagine seeing him in another uniform, let alone a Dodger uniform. Um, and you know, we wish him the best and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see him on the other side. Are you guys coming out here or are they going to Atlanta early in the year? I think, uh, Braves are in LA. Oh my God, I'm coming there. I will. I'll see you in a couple of weeks then, and we'll we'll talk there because we got to make that happen. Um. Okay. So that happens in three weeks. How cra- wait? How crazy is that going to be? Seeing Kenley Jansen potentially facing off to close a game against Freddie Freeman in reverse. Oh my God, that's going to be weird. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about that one. That's uh, yeah, definitely a, a pretty good role reversal there. Um, <laughs> But no, there's there's going to be a few, honestly, and I, I think uh, given you know our history with the Dodgers of the last three four years in the playoffs, um, it's going to be a really really good series, regardless. Yeah, look, I, I am one of the biggest Freddie Freeman fans in the world, but right before you came on, I was uh, talking about the Atlanta Braves and doing a segment on them, and I believe that in 2022, the Atlanta Braves are a better team. I know you won a World Championship, you lose a legend. But um, gain, some, gain back Ronald, hopefully yourself at some point, um, some other studs. I really like what you guys have done this offseason. I think, in fact, you're a better team. Uh, and before we move on from this whole like, World Series offseason thing, I have to ask you about the parade. Um, I saw a couple of things that day that were awesome. One, you posted a photo of you catching a beer like you were Odell. That was sick. And... Um, also, the video of the bus going like 50 miles an hour down the middle of everybody. Talk to me about the, the day of the parade and how just fun and crazy that was. And tell me a crazy story from that day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, day was, that day was awesome. I mean, I didn't actually realize that the, the parade buses were moving like that at some point. You know, I think that some people caught us at certain points where we either had to make up time <laughs> I don't know what happened, but at, at a, at a certain point, I think we all realized we're on the bus. It's like, this is kind of moving. Like we're, <laughs> there's, there's really no time to wave. Like you really see one person and then they're gone, you know? And, and, um, it wasn't until after when we saw it, and you, you could really tell because of all the buildings down in midtown. All right. This is downtown. Um, and you know, people are just flying through its fast and furious parade. Um, so that, that was pretty funny for us to see after the fact. Um, no, I mean, the, the beer catching and throwing was, was fun um, when the crowd was pretty manageable. You know, you could kind of see yeah. there was only a few rows deep. You could tell somebody would kind of look at you, they'd hold up the beer and you'd say, yeah, okay, you know, we're, we're going to be all right. But once we got to the battery... Uh, and people started figuring out, I guess they already saw my post or a bunch of other guys were posting. I'm sure Matt McVinter, Jackson, those guys were uh, making sure to get in on it. Um, it was all good until we got to the battery. And then you started seeing beers flying from like the 18th row or there'd be some someone on their fourth story of their apartment trying to toss one down <laughs> to you. And you're thinking like, if I miss this, somebody's taking it in the head and I mean, like it's bad news. Right. Um, so I honestly, those are the only ones that that was a, that was a good day. Um, 
I did like starting downtown Atlanta because I think we saw a lot of people that wouldn't have got the chance to come up to the battery in, mm-hmm. in basically Marietta. Um, we, it's a it's a big part of our fan base still, and uh, it was good to get down there. And yeah, I think hopefully there's a next time, and if there is, uh, we'll tell them to, to pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, so you went from downtown to then up towards the stadium and and through the battery. I had never experienced the battery uh, until the World Series. Dude, that was one of the coolest experiences of my life, being there during the World Series and seeing the fans. How awesome was the fan base and in particular, like the watch parties happening in the battery and all that, that stuff. How cool was that? Yeah, it was, it was all cool. Everything was amazing, uh, except for the traffic weaving. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that whole area, I think we were told there was like 200,000 people between the people that came to the game and then all the people in the battery. Um, and it's just that one ring around the, the whole <laughs> place, right? Um, I'd heard people that were stuck in the, in the parking garages to like 3 a.m. because it was just gridlock. Um, but no, other than that, I mean, seeing some videos too of the battery when we were on the road, um, that was probably the coolest part because they they packed it yeah you know it was it was full um people get a chance to go out there and and either you know wait for a table for a while or or get there at you know three four o'clock in the afternoon and and be there all day um it's a beautiful beautiful spot we get to do lots of stuff out there you know at fan fest and all that kind of stuff um it's really really a good idea honestly it was yeah something that you know, I think a lot of teams are going to end up following when they build new stadiums. And um, yeah, like I said, it's it's pretty cool thing to have. Did you um, did you appreciate the chop during the World Series and the whole playoff run as much as I did? Like, I got the chills watching it. Like, I, I've seen it before. Um, I knew it was cool, but I felt like it took on a new level in the playoffs when the lights would go out and everybody would do it. Were you just in the dugout like, this is sick? Yeah, I was actually in the, in the bullpen, um, so I get to kind of watch from that side, which I think is even an even cooler spot, mm-hmm. um, especially when there's a reliever running in and, you know, the lights are going down. And, um, you know, obviously we went through some changes with the chop. Uh, that's no secret and, and everything that we did there. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of a subject that's uh, been avoided by a lot of us, but I think to agree with you that when the lights go down and when there's the games on the line, there's a big situation. It actually, it carries some weight. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems to mean something. Um, you know, a lot of us that came up through the minor leagues in, in Rome, you know, we hear it a ton, you know, they hear it. Guy takes a walk in the second inning of a June <laughs> baseball game and you're hearing the chop and you're just kind of, you're kind of getting over it. Yeah. Um, so for them to pump the brakes on that and really, you know, say, okay, like, you know, we need to let the fans actually carry it. So when they want it to happen, they'll make it happen. So that when, you know, Freddie Dansby hits a, hits a leadoff double in the eighth inning and we're in a tie game, that's when you let it go. He let it eat. And, uh, I think that's one of the cooler experiences and, and um, you know, atmospheres I've ever felt before, for yeah. sure. Same. Uh, it was it was truly incredible. Hey, I wanna I wanna talk a little about you 
and and where you are currently. And in August of 2020, you tore your Achilles and have been out since. How how are you doing? And and when and and I don't need like a specific date. Just can can we expect you back at some point this year? Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's at this point in my rehab. Um, you know, it's it's been a long one. It's been a lot of what ifs or unknowns, uh, especially going the second time through. Um, you know, I've I've had to do quite a bit of growing um, in a lot of other places. You know, it's it's a it's a tough place to be. Um, but at this point, you know, I'm starting to be able to just see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you know, some some things can take time, but I know it's just a matter of time now. Um, you know, everything's feeling good. I'm, you know, getting out to, towards long toss again and uh, just starting to feel like an athlete again. Um, the repair feels really, really strong. Uh, it's not going anywhere. It's been anchored in there. And, um, you know, we made sure this time that this it's absolutely as strong as can be. So, um, like I said, it, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit longer. I was hoping, you know, mid season, that's still kind of our, our rough goal, but it just depends. Um, you know, it's not like being on the, on the IL for something small that might only take a couple more days and, you know, you know where you're going to be at. So we're kind of just taking it two weeks at a time right now. We're reevaluating every two weeks saying what do I need to work on? What's, what's still just not there. Um, and then going forward and, um, you know, I think the farther we get along and the more I'm just starting to feel like an athlete, it'll just be a matter of time. So yeah. uh, I'm excited, but having to put my ego aside sometimes and pull the reins in and, um, you know, just make sure I get the work that I need on the um, or most important right now, not what I'll need to be working on in six weeks. Um, that's going to be what's going to get me there. And uh, I can't wait for that moment. Not to not to compare you to my dad because my dad can't even remotely come close to throwing a baseball, but he tore his Achilles um, like two years ago. So I learned a lot about it, and apparently, it's like the worst. Re- it's like the worst thing you can do. The rehab is just long and awful, and um, it just was not good for him. So I, I certainly understand the rehab has been ridiculous. Um, so walk me walk me through. What ha- so I know in August of 2020, you tore your Achilles, you were coming back, and then what happened? I, you re-tore your Achilles, right? So what happened there? Yeah, I mean, lots of things, really. I mean, right. it, it, it's, it's something that I don't think we're ever really going to have a firm answer for. Um, you know, things just, you know, there's, there's basically probably a, a suture reaction to my initial repair. Yeah. Um, I went in for a clean out in April when things just started getting angry, um, started getting to the point where it was just, you know, tough to do small things like walk properly again. And, um, basically we found all the sutures were just sitting in a ball. Uh, they hadn't been taken in by the tissue at all. Uh, the repair was made. It's just, you know, because of all that gunk in there, it just didn't have a ton of great tissue. Yeah. Um, and so we knew it was kind of just like, all right, well, you know, take them out and, and give it more time to scar up. And, um, you know, we did that, but, uh, you know, hindsight, it probably needed to just happen again, yeah. uh, to give a, a good inflammatory response, a good, 
a good, uh, you know, ability to heal the second time. And um, that was without a doubt, one of the toughest moments of my life when that yeah. happened that, that day, basically just walking into the field. Um, but uh, it, having reassurance that day, talking to doctors and, and everybody that, you know, it doesn't make you any less likely to come back from a second one. It's just going to take longer. Um, you know, and if you're in for the work, then you'll be just fine. So um, that was never a question. And, you know, we got back to it um, right after surgery. And, and I guess the nice part was, is I, I knew what the rehab entailed already. So uh, I was a little, a little more ready for it the second time. And, and thankfully it's, it's moved by fairly quickly. Dude, I, I am so pumped to get you back out there. I, I can't, I can't imagine the whole process and, and what, like, so you tear, you tear the Achilles and then obviously that's down here. What, what can you do for your arm? Like, can you just sit on a bucket and just keep your arm like strong that way? Are you throwing at any point early on in the rehab process? Yeah, I think, you know, the first time I did it, I, I was throwing on a knee, you know, a couple of weeks after surgery, um, just to kind of keep it going because yeah. my goal was opening day, let's go and throw a complete season. And, um, the second time, once I figured out, you know, you're really not going to be ramping up again until spring training next year. Uh, I took a little more time off throwing, but, uh, I got back to it and yeah, on, on one knee. Uh, so I dropped my right knee back. Yeah. Um, and then you can get out there and you can at least feel it out. Uh, keep those little muscles going. I mean, you know how it is when you don't go for so long and then you pick a ball up and, you know, it can take a couple of weeks to kind of yeah. get things going again. Um, so I made sure to kind of keep on some stuff and uh, get some soft tissue recently as we started to open it up again and, and get back to long toss. But, um, you know, my arms felt great so far. And um, I've also gotten a chance to learn a, more, uh, a couple more things about, you know, lower body mechanics. And, yeah. And, and some things that I think are going to help me when I get back. And I'm excited to do this. You know, I, I think it's going to help. Obviously, those things are going to help you once you get back. I think, and I'm hopeful, mentally, like this whole process is going to help you when you get back as well. So, so I'm excited for that to happen. But look, let me, let me take you back a little ways to a cool story here. I get drafted in 2013 to the Detroit Tigers organization. And in my 2014 spring training, Mike, we play these 16-year-old kids from Canada, Team Canada. And on the mound is Mike Soroka. We played each other when you were 16 years old, okay? And I remember going to face you guys, and I'm like, what? what is happening here? Why are we playing this team of a bunch of 16-year-olds? <laughs> and then you get on the mound and just like, I don't, ex I think I, I think you like broke my bat and I like rolled over or something, which in hindsight, I feel great about because you break a lot of bats, but what, <laughs> what was like, so you guys as team Canada just came down to Florida to play a bunch of professional athletes. What, what was that all about? Um, we're very, very fortunate uh, with the baseball junior Canada team to um, basically come down and, and play the youngest professionals. So um you know, a lot of times we end up down there in extended. Uh, we get to play the extended teams, which is a lot closer of a matchup. Yeah. Um, you know, usually in spring training and then in instructs, we usually get our, our doors beat in a little bit because <laughs> we're just not as strong, not as fast. Yeah, that's like prospects. Um, although we have, we, 
we have a number of players on that team that are going to go on and, and you know, be on those teams in the yeah. future. Um, as 16, 17 year olds, they're just, you're just not ready for that. So um, I remember definitely against Detroit, my, my first one in Instructs, um, you know, because we look at rosters, you look at names and obviously Verlander jumps out and, um, you know, that was one. That was one that I wanted to make sure. I was like, all right, I'm going yeah, to give this guy you everything got I got. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I still say, where I learned how to compete and pitch when you are overmatched. I mean, I, my first trip or two, I was still like mid-upper 80s, um, which for you guys, to be honest with you, was probably under the hitting speed if I was at my low end. If I oh, was yeah. in the mid-80s, that's under hitting speed. So you get lucky, but it was the next year I went back and I was like in that 88, 91 range and I got smacked. You know, yeah, that was one where I was like, absolutely. all right. I, I, I remember gotta, facing I you guys out. and, and your first, cause I faced you in that first year, right? When you were like 85, 86. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I was throwing change ups, breaking balls. <laughs> you know, I was getting everything over. I remember facing you that first time and, and, everybody on that team was like low to mid eighties. And we're just like, what, like we go from facing like in, in, uh, in like team inner squads, we would go from facing like Fulmer and Corey Knable throwing like a hundred. And then we go like straight to you guys and you're throwing like 85 and it's like, Oh my God, what's happening here. And still somehow it broke my bat, which is probably why I'm sitting here and you're sitting there. But, um, <laughs> That, so, you know, one thing I will never forget, we face each other there, and then a couple of years later, you're an all-star. 2019, you become an all-star, and I see you again in Cleveland. You and, you and uh, my brother and myself shared the same agent, but at that time I was done. So you, you had the same agent, and he texted me saying he was with you, and that I think you know him, come say hi. So I go over there and sit with you and your dad, and the first thing your dad said, this is five years later at the time, is, oh, I think I have video of you and, and that at bat on my phone. And I was like, what? And you were like, yeah, he keeps video of, like, so many things. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he videoed everything. And, and mostly to be able to put out there online because, you know, we knew that the best times that I would, that I would get to see were with the Team Canada. And obviously there was a good amount of people always connected. And when we're playing teams like, you know, the instructs teams, there's always player development, people yeah. watching and uh, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he was always videoing to make sure I could get it out online. So I didn't have to go to all those showcases and everything. And you know, I think I picked a couple like area codes and the Jupiter world wood bats, but, you know, I never did any, anything else for self-promotion. It was just, you know, take it out. And actually I bet you, if you go, if you go to YouTube, I think it's probably still up. I don't think I would have taken it down. Oh no! But it would have been, it would have been one of my highlight videos from, yeah, probably my 11th grade season. I think I set the video actually to like Rocky, Rocky like a hurricane by the Scorpions. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure there's I, there's the outs from that game in Detroit. I'm throwing from like a really really low three quarter slot, yeah. just like turning sinkers over, and um, yeah, it's. It's pretty funny to go back and look at that. I was probably like a buck sixty soaking wet that trip as well. 
just blasting Rocky like a hurricane while you're 160 pounds throwing 85 mile an hour sinkers is the best visual of all time. So I, your dad actually, I think he like found that video, by the way. He's like, oh, wait, wait a second. I think I have the video of you and Mike facing each other <laughs> five years ago. And I'm just like, Mike is now, and I'll, I'm just here to say hi to you because I'm so pumped up for you and where you were at your career and your career at that time and where you still are. And then I have to like be ridiculed about getting my doors blown off by an 85 mile an hour sinker <laughs> five years ago. And I'm just like, great, this is sick. I'm going to go now. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but that, that all-star weekend and uh, that was in Cleveland. How cool was that for you? Your first all-star experience and probably a little overwhelming at the time. What's something you look back on and whether it be a conversation that you had or something that happened on the field um, that you'll remember for the rest of your life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think honestly that's one of the first, if not the only experience where I've ever had where I wondered if I belonged. Um, you know, that was, that's a pretty crazy one. I, I have always kind of, taken pride in myself to be quite self-confident to where I'm in a competition situation. I know I can beat whoever's at the plate. Um, but being in a room of, of the guys that some guys that I grew up watching, um, you know, you got Scherzer, Kershaw, they've got like the number eight or nine patch on the, on their <laughs> uniform. It's the eight or ninth time they've been there. Um, you know, seeing that and, and where I started that year is basically hurt, got optioned right out of camp, but only through like two outings in AAA and then got called back up. Um, that was one where I was like, hi, you know, did I just get lucky? And I, I strung the best 15 games of my life together at once. Did I just, you know, what happened here and, and, and why am I out here? But um, that was one where you kind of have to go back and you got to validate it and say, all right, you know, I, I did earn this. I, I put in a lot of work uh, to get here and, uh, you know, good things happen when you're you're just out there competing. But I think the one the one experience I don't think I'll ever forget <clears throat> in that situation is uh, uh, Paul Bird, who works for uh, I guess Valley Sports yeah. Southeast now. Um, basically, you know, he caught me on the way out, and we talk a lot because he's with he's with the Braves a ton, and uh, he's like, "Hey, man, would you be able to to wear a uh, a mic out there in, in BP?" And I was like yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I haven't done it before and I feel like I can conjure up some decent conversation at least, <laughs> but I get out there and I realize I'm like, wait a minute. I don't really, I don't know any of these guys. <laughs> like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say to make things funny or if they're just going to think I'm weird. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I, you know, we're standing next to, uh, you know, a group that was having a conversation. It was probably like Bueller, DeGrom and Scherzer and they're they're talking about grips and all that kind of stuff and and I'm like you know I can't I can't be next to you guys while this is going on I, I gotta I gotta go over there and, and Scherzer came out to me the next day in the outfield and he kind of laughed and he says you learned he said you're not wearing one today I said nope I said I, I went running back in there after that and I said I gave I gave the mic back to Paul I was like sorry man I can't do this <laughs> So, so he was, saw you I'll he never saw you wearing that. the mic and like he they knew you were wearing it and you like creep a little closer and then you're just like nah I'm I'm gonna leave and he noticed that. Yeah, I think um 
I think he, yeah, I think he did notice it and was just like, yeah, I'm like, you know, they can't hear this. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm gone. <laughs> That's incredible. So you, you threw, you threw in that all-star game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I threw uh, the fifth or sixth inning. I, I went out there, you know, I'd watched a bunch of guys warm up at DeGrom and Kershaw and, and watched them warm up in the bullpen. And uh, I think I'd been calming myself down so much that whole game where I was like, you need to, you know, you need to chill out here. You know, you got five innings to go until you can kind of let the adrenaline spike and get out there. So I'm, I'm trying to chill myself out the whole time in the bullpen and I get out there and I'm still kind of like watching the game. I'm warming up. I'm it's my first time out of the bullpen. Honestly, I think I did it once in low A cause we had a big league rehab. Yeah. Um, I threw a horrible bullpen, horrible bullpen. It was like, <laughs> I think Mark Pryor was, was there and, and he probably was, was watching. and was just like, this is terrible. Who's this guy? You know? And, and, so I got out there. I said, all right, here we go. I couldn't really feel the ball coming out of my hand. I get out there and I calmed myself down so much that I honestly was, I had no adrenaline left. And I was just kind of like, I look up at the radar. I'm like 91. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, let's, let's go. Let's, let's, let's fire it up. I think I, I got out of it like with a three Oh pop out, a three one pop out. And, um, I forget who it was. I think Alonso and, and I met him Muncie actually in, in a second base that made a really good play um, to get me out of it. I threw like three strikes the whole inning um, and got out one, two, three. And I mean, it worked, <laughs> but let's say, I think I'll know next time I can let it out, let it out and go just go have fun and let it eat. I think you're the only, I, I need to ask you how you did this because a big problem, I don't want to say a problem of mine, but in my like playing career, when it was something I'd like get so built up and get like, so like my adrenaline would just be pumping. And I oftentimes it would be an advert. It, it wouldn't help me. It'd have an adverse effect because I was like too amped up. And you said in an all-star game, when all eyes are on you and you're super amped up, you were able to do the opposite. You might've brought yourself too far down. How on earth are you able to go from up here to down here? Yeah, honestly, I, I, you know, I got really into uh, a lot of breathing techniques. Obviously, the Wim Hof is a big one, and I've talked about it before. But, um, you know, adrenaline management is always something that I've worked towards because it feels good. Like, you know what it feels like when your adrenaline spikes and you're yeah. actually able to use it. And it, it works properly. It wakes up your fine motor skills. It doesn't shut those off. Um, I think that was what I was kind of always on the path to chase was you know i found in low ai i love getting angry you know i loved was like i'm gonna get angry i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna you know blow the doors off everybody i'm gonna you know put everybody down and, right. and try and strike out 27 dudes and um it would work for like two innings <laughs> and then my adrenaline was just like in the tank i'm done i'm just like you know i'm, I'm beat and i i just couldn't be that person so I think eventually I, I got to the point where I was like, all right, you gotta, you gotta bring it down a little bit and find a sweet spot. And, um, you know, I could in, in those high adrenaline situations that worked. And I think, you know, my first 10, 15 games in the big leagues, they're just, it's just so much new stimulus right. that 
you know, if you work to calm it down, you're going to bring it to a good level. Uh, but I think at that point, because I had those five innings just to kind of sit there and and breathe and, and chill, it was kind of like, yeah, I got out there and it was this out-of-body experience that I just didn't feel like I was actually doing it. Um, and I think that was more to do with it than anything else was just like, you know. But I, I think I woke up, honestly, after the 3-0 leadoff batter uh, with the pop-out, I got lucky. And then it was like, all right, there's 95. Okay. <laughs> you like you, you know, catch, you catch right a break. Here, but... You just serve up a three o three o sinker. You catch a break, and then you're like, "What am I doing? Let's go!" And then you're like, "Then you pump in ninety five, and you're good to go." Yeah, I mean, the worst thing you can do is is get too fired up, and then you're just muscling everything, uh, and then you're trying way too hard, and and I get in way more problems with that than if I'm too calm. So, um, you know, I guess I guess I just took it down too much and, and, you know, lost that little bit of edge that you need to kind of get you over and just play the game. Hey, speaking of, speaking of all-star games that year, right before the all-star game this past year, Ronald goes down um, and tears his ACL. I mean, it was awful, but now we're like watching video of him hitting like absolute moonshots. And he's talking about like how he's going to be ready. He, he wants to be there opening day, but people are like, no, pump the brakes on that what is he as close as it seems he is I mean how is this even possible that he's as close to he is as coming back yeah I, I mean I think so I think it was never a doubt that he was going to heal up great and um you know he's done some freaky things in the past I think you know just being able to watch him run and, and some of the things that he can do um he is one of those people that's just built a little differently um you know I, I think it's at this point, I think he's probably about eight months out, I think, from, you know, his, his surgery. And oh, wow. um, I think, you know, it's something that they've got to talk about. I have no idea what's going on. Um, you know, I pay attention to my schedule. That's about it. But um, if, you know, they, I know they'd floated the idea of just DHing him, um, you know, and then getting the running stuff in separately. And then he was ready to be in the outfield again and, and be a burner on the bases, kind of cut them loose um, when that's time. But yeah, I mean, that dude could hit home runs off one leg. I mean, let's yeah. be honest, he's his hands and, and his ability to create power with what he's got is, is I think next to none. I think, you know, a lot of people with, with his power uh, tend to be quite a bit bigger and, and it's, it's just incredible to watch. I've got to do it you know, seven years now since I got drafted. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's no surprise. He's, yeah. he's, he's gifted and he always will be. I always, I always tell this story about him. I was in high A when the Braves organization moved to Kissimmee. So it was the fire frogs or whatever it was. I think that was it. And Acuna is, um, is on the team. So we get down like 17 to one. We're getting killed. And I walk into the dugout. I was playing right field, and our manager goes, uh, who wants to pitch? And naturally, I'm like, me, me. I, I want to pitch. and Because I, I pitched in college, so I'm like, I, this is fine. I got this. So I go into the bullpen. I, I play right field one inning. I'm hitting that next inning, but I run straight to the bullpen. I throw, like, 10 pitches. And, Mike, I swear I was throwing 105 miles an hour. I just knew I was. I knew I was throwing absolute gas. I go, into the, I, I go into the dugout, put my helmet on quick. I go punch out at the plate like I normally do. 
And then I'm like, all right, here we go. Back out on the mound. And I get out there. The first batter I face was, I believe, Alex Jackson. Struck him out three straight fastballs. My dad has that. My dad has that one on video. So, so then the next batter, I'm like, oh my God, this is going great. Next batter comes up. I get ahead 0-2, and I'm a position player pitching, right? So it's like the catcher's just like one, one, one. I shake off. I'm 0-2. I shake off. I'm like, no, I got a good curveball. I want to throw. So I get my I get the curveball sign. I come set. I throw a curveball, and it was the best curveball I've ever thrown in my life. It was disgusting. It was going to bounce off the plate almost, and this guy reaches out and hits an absolute rocket launcher off the wall in right center field. And I'm like, who is this guy? That was, that was Ronald Acuna. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that makes yep. a lot of sense. The guy is just one of the biggest freaks that I have ever seen. Yeah, I think I think everybody's got, you know, if you've seen him play and you played him enough in the minor leagues, I think everybody has, you know, some sort of story crazy like story about what he did. Um, you know, I think he's, I remember one series in Jackson, because in, in AA in Mississippi, you know, you play five game series back then. And I know they're, you know, full week series now, but um, I think he was like three for four, four for five every single game. And I'm telling you, everything he swung at was absolutely destroyed. And I remember talking to people like, I think I got the first base after I'd been hitting it. And the first base was just like, that's, that's dumb. You know, it's <laughs> dumb what he's doing. Cause it's, it's like every time he swings the bat, it's like 110, 115, um, just a laser show. And, and, you know, we knew, I think that was the first year where we knew what we were going to see yeah. uh, going forward. That was where it was like, ah, oh, there's yeah. no doubt. He's before a, before he's be a future I let you get going, put into words how excited you are for this 2022 season. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I can. Honestly, for me personally, um, you know, it's going to be one that's probably going to be more rewarding for myself than my very first time in the big leagues. Um, you know, every time you get that taken away from you and, and have to work back to it, it just means that much more. And um, I'm actually trying not to think about that moment too much because I, I think I'll get a little carried away and, and you know, want to, you know, skip steps and, and just get there and get to the end. But, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a moment that I know I will cherish forever and something that, um, you know, I don't think I'll ever forget. So um, this year is going to be awesome. And. Uh, it's exciting to see these guys and, and get back working with them. And, uh, you know, I missed it. and uh, I can't wait. I know. I know I'm pumped for that day, man, for real. Um, I've always been a really big fan of yours since, you know, I met you and, and knew you from years ago and then just watching your career. Um, I'm really I'm really pumped for you, man, uh, and everything you've been able to get to and hopefully get back out there this year. Thank you so much for, for joining me and hopping on. And you know you're welcome back on at any point. Thank you, Ben. We'll uh, we'll have to do it again when I'm, uh, you know, back to back to being me. Well, we'll we'll get you back on when when you're back out there, man. Thanks again, and uh, good luck with the 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 end of your rehab, and good luck with this season. Thank you so much. All right, and I wanted to thank Mike Soroka again for joining me. What a great guy, a great pitcher that I'm excited to see back out there for the Atlanta Braves this year. Hopefully sooner than later, because they are going to be good.
this year. But as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, some lists. You know I love lists, and we've been going through the top five players at each position heading into this year. Today is top five shortstops and top five second basemen. So this is who I think, when 2022 is all said and done, who will be top five at each position. We're going to start with shortstops, and I'm going to bring my producer Conrad back out here. So let's get going. Coming in at number five, the wonder kid, Wander Franco. Yeah, I like him a lot. Now, Wander Franco came into the league last year and really took the world by storm. He, he became um, the youngest player to have the, the longest consecutive on-base streak. He tied that record. Um, this guy's really good. He does it all. He had 20 bombs in his short time in the big leagues last year. He steals bases. He's fast. He plays good defense. I think for the foreseeable future, we could see Wander Franco on this list as, the, as a top five shortstop in baseball. Now, when you go and look at the top odds to win AL MVP, he's number five. And the best odds to win MVP, I think he's going to have a really good year. I think we're going to get to see a full season of him, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I have him at number five on this list. Number four, new high-paid man, Corey Seager. The $300 million man, the Texas Rangers. Um, look, this one's simple. Corey Seager is a stud. He has been for a long time, and he's going to be, whether it be in a Dodger uniform or a Texas Rangers uniform, this guy is one of the best shortstops in baseball. I think he has another really good year. Um, I'm hopeful he can stay healthy the entire year because I think to this point, um, he could have been even better. He's had a couple of years that injuries have plagued him. But Corey Seager is really good, and he's going to be on this Rangers team that's going to be at least more fun to watch. They're not going to be the Dodgers. They're not going to win the AL West, but they're going to be better. Corey Seager is going to be a big reason for that. I have him at number four on this list. And then this year's new shortstop for the Dodgers at number three, Trey Turner. Yeah, from, from one, the previous Dodgers shortstop to the current Dodgers shortstop. I... I like Trey Turner a lot. I've liked his game ever since I played against him in college. When I was at Old Dominion, he was at NC State. We played them in a two-game midweek series, and he stole seven bases in those two games. Seven bases in two games. And he's just continued that on in the big leagues. He steals so many bases. He hits for power. He hits for contact. He plays good defense. I like Trey Turner a lot. He has become one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. He's, he's, he's an all-star. He is so fun to watch. When, when I think of Trey Turner, I think of a guy that's just electric and really fun to watch, from, from stealing bases to sliding into home cooler than anybody else has ever done it to hitting a bunch of bombs. Trey Turner, number three. Coming in at number two, we have Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa, the new Minnesota Twins signing. who. I thought it was going to be a $300 million man. He ends up taking a shorter-term deal, but is now the highest-paid MLB infielder in history this season. We all know who he is. We all know he's a stud. Um, he's going to be really good. He's one of the most clutch players in playoff history. I'm not sure the Twins will get there this year, but it's just, it's just all around. It's, his entire game is all around. His defense, his offense, his his arm, it's incredible. And he, in my opinion, this year will be the second best shortstop in the game. 
Coming in number one, no surprise here, Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis. Now, I know he's he's missing time. I know he's going to miss um, a couple of months because of his surgery. But when he comes back, um, I think he's going to be an absolute force. So statistic-wise, he won't be on the level of these other guys because of the time he's going to have to miss. But once he comes back, I think Tatis is is the best shortstop in the game. He's young. He's exciting. He is the the culmination of all of these guys on the list. You look at all of these guys and you put them together and you get Fernando Tatis. He rakes. He hits the ball out of the yard. He's exciting. He plays with passion. He plays with a bunch of charisma. He, He has taken San Diego and made it his team, his town. And I'm excited for him to get back because from that period on, he'll be the best shortstop in baseball. So that's my top five best uh, best shortstops for this year, but I wanted to do a, like, just miss the cut list, a next five up list for shortstops. And now, these are in no particular order, okay? These are in no order. So let's go through these. All right. Xander Bogarts. Yeah, Xander... Um, Xander was a tough one to not put on the list just because he he rakes. He's one of the best offensive shortstops. Just defensively, I don't think he's he's on the same level as the other guys. Um, but Xander Bogarts is is certainly a top shortstop in the game of baseball, and I like him a lot. Next, Bo Bichette. More like Flo Bichette, the best flow in the game. Am I right? I mean, Bo, in in my opinion, in the next few years. Bo is going to get on that list of, of, the, of the top five. He just continues to get better and better and better every year. I think he takes another step forward this year, and um, I think hopefully soon we'll be seeing him on that other list. But he is certainly within the top ten. Uh, next up, Tim Anderson. Yeah, I feel like Tim Anderson is a little underrated because he plays on the White Sox, who aren't the most talked-about team in Chicago. Um, but this guy just, you know, I will never forget a moment we saw from him last year, that, that home run in the Field of Dreams game, the walk-off, just the coolest video of all time resulted from that with the fireworks going off in the background. Tim Anderson rakes. That, there's, just, there's just nothing more to be said than Tim Anderson rakes, and he is absolutely on this list. Following, we have Javi Baseball, Mr. Javi Baez. That's right, Javi Baez, the new Detroit Tiger. I think Javi has a good year. Look, with the, let's take the let's take a look at the year he had last year. You have Javi Baez with the Cubs, and then you have Javi Baez with the Mets. The Javi Baez with the Mets was great, and he said he figured out a new approach. He was taking a new approach to the box, and it worked out. It paid off, and he's going to take that into this year. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as he was with the Mets, but I think he's certainly going to have a better year altogether than last year, and Javi Baez is going to end up being a top 10 shortstop this year. And then last but not least, Francisco Lindor. Yeah, Lindor um, struggled in his first year in New York. That's no secret. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't the Lindor that we all know and appreciate. But Mr. Smile, as they call him, he, he is a really good player. And he will continue this year to be the good player that he is. I'm saying last year was an anomaly. And this year, he will be back to being a top 10 shortstop in all of the game. But that does it for shortstops. Now let's head on over and do second base. Our next list this week is top five second basemen. Coming in number five, Ozzie Albies. 
Ozzy. I think Ozzy, look, it's easy to forget because we've heard about him so long how young Ozzy is. Ozzy will continue to get better. And if y'all remember in the World Series last year with Steal a Base, Steal a Taco, I correctly predicted that Ozzy Albies would be the one that stole a taco for America. So kudos to me for that. Um, but yeah, he steals a lot of bases. He hits for a lot of power um, from the right side of the plate, but he. He's good from both sides of the plate. He's good defensively. I like him a lot, and I think he takes another step forward. So Ozzy Albies is on this list at number five. Number four, Brandon Lowe. Yeah, Brandon Lowe, I think, is... I mean, he hit, he hit almost 40 bombs last year, 100 RBIs as a second baseman. You just don't, you just don't see that often. And when you do, he's certainly going to be on this top five list of second basemen. This, one, this one's simple. You hit almost 40 bombs at the second base position, you're going to be one of the best second basemen in baseball. And I think he does that. I'm not going to say 40 again this year, but I think he's pretty dang close to it this year as well. Number three, Jose Altuve. Altuve, yeah, I mean, this one, he's, he's been the best second baseman over the course of the last 10 years in baseball. And, and that's not really up for debate. I mean, he's an MVP. He's a World Series champion. He's consistent. He plays a good defense. The man just rakes, and I think he's going to do it again this year. Jose Altuve is on this list at number three. Number two, Cattell Marte. Yeah, Cattell Marte is a tough one because he plays all over the place, but um, he's listed as a second baseman, so he's certainly going to be on this list. Um, he's an underrated, an underrated player just because he plays out in Arizona for the Diamondbacks, a team that has not been very good. I wish. We could watch more of his games. I wish he could be on national television more often because he's one of the best players in, in the league. We just don't get to see him enough. But he is number two on this list of this year's top five second baseman. Conrad, who do we have at number one? Number one, the new Texas Ranger as well, Marcus Simeon. Yeah, Marcus Simeon, new Texas Ranger, another one of their signings that put them over half of a billion dollars this year in their offseason spending. Look, he was, if it weren't for Otani last year, him and Vlad would have battled it out for who's going to win the MVP award. Um, he's been that good. He was that good for, you know, his, the end of his tenure in Oakland. He was that good in Toronto. And I believe he will continue to be that good in Texas with the Rangers. So he comes in at number one on this list. So the top five is Ozzy, Brandon Lau, Jose Altuve, Cattell Marte, and Marcus Simeon. Now let's do uh, the next five in no order. Next five up, we have Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco, switch hitting second baseman for the Twins. This Twins team is going to rake. They are going to be really good. He was a tough one to not put into the top five. Um, He's just that good. Another guy that's underrated just because of where he plays, but he shouldn't be. And he's definitely, definitely going to be a top 10 uh, second baseman this year. So Jorge Polanco, number five. Next, Jonathan India. Yeah, Jonathan India, another guy with great flow. Just great flow. Uh, rookie of the year, Cincinnati Reds. I think he just takes another step forward. He has, an, he has a full season under his belt. He's just going to be even better this year. I like Jonathan India a lot. I like his game a lot. I think he's going to be a good player in this league for a long time to come. Next up, the very underrated Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier is very underrated. Again, I say because of teams he's, he's played on. Uh, he came up with the Pirates. 
He was really good on the Pirates, was leading the NL in hits with the Pirates. And then he gets moved to the San Diego Padres, so a little more of a spotlight. And he just wasn't great there. They were expecting a guy that led the National League in hits, and they plugged him right in the two-hole. He struggled in San Diego. They put him down in the eight-hole. He just wasn't the player uh, that, that I know he is there. But now he's in Seattle. The Mariners pick him up. He's going to be really good there. I like him a lot, and I do think he's going to be a top 10 second baseman this year. Next up, we have Jake Cronenworth. The Crone Zone. Speaking of, speaking of the Padres, Jake Cronenworth uh, has really come on in the last couple of years. This guy rakes. Uh, he can play. He can play kind of all over the place, and I like his game. I like his game a lot. This one's simple. Cronenworth will be a top 10 second baseman. I remember this one was tough yesterday to who to fill this list out with. Jeff McNeil. Yeah, you know, there. I didn't know second base would be as hard as it is. Um, there's a lot of good second basemen, and and to fill out a top 10 list is difficult. I, I like Jeff McNeil a lot. I think a lot of his career has been plagued with injuries, but we've seen it when he is healthy, when he first came up. Man, this guy rakes. I played against him for years in the minor leagues. He's one of the best um, one of the best pure hitters that I have played against in the minor leagues. He's really, really good. I'm hopeful he's healthy this year. He's good to go, and I think he will be a top 10 second baseman this year. So that rounds out our top five lists with some next five up guys for shortstop and second base. So now we've done pitchers, catchers, corner infielders, middle infielders, and next time we will be doing a top 10 outfielders to to finish that up so as with every episode i like to finish up with a little extra innings segment something that at the end of the show i like to shed a good positive light on because i'm a big positivity guy and there's a lot of good things going on in the game of baseball and and one this past week that really caught my eye was darren baker who you may recognize from the World Series years ago when J.T. Snow for the Giants was coming home, scooped up the little kid at home plate and took him back to the dugout, and it was Dusty Baker's son. Well, that little kid was Darren Baker. And Darren Baker is now a prospect in the Washington Nationals organization. And the other day, the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals were playing each other in a spring training game. And like 30 minutes before the game, Darren Baker didn't even know he was going to be in the game, but he was told that not only were you going to be on the roster for the game, they were going to let him take up the lineup card to his dad. So Darren Baker, that little kid, is all grown up, and before the game, walked out of the dugout, walked the lineup up to his dad at home plate, shook the umpire's hand, gave his dad a hug, and what created... Just a really cool moment. And I know this is a saying that we hear all the time uh, because it's a famous quote, but man, baseball truly is a beautiful sport. How can you not be romantic about baseball? What an awesome moment that, you know, that I, I, like, to, I like to feel that I can relate to it a little bit. I, for a couple of years, got to be in the same dugout and play on the same spring training game as, as my brother. And that's moments that I will never forget. So I don't know whether Darren Baker will ever make it to the big leagues. Hopefully he does. But this moment 
will be something that he remembers for the rest of his life, as I will remember for the rest of my life, being able to share a dugout and share the field with my brother in spring training game. So just a cool moment that I wanted to talk about as we wrap up here. But that does it for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Thanks again to Mike Soroka for joining me. What a great guy. Uh, keep an eye out for his return this year because if you don't remember, he was the ace of that Atlanta Braves staff, and he's an absolute stud. They're going to be a force this year, so thanks again to him for joining me. Um, that does it for Flippin' Bats. Make sure you download, subscribe the episode. Uh, subscribe wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever that may be. And we also have all of our, we have all of our socials, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The episode is available every week via YouTube on video. So if you want to watch video, watch it there. Go subscribe on YouTube. That does it for this week's episode. I will see you next time on Flippin' Back. a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge backflip to celebrate.